What's up, everybody? It's John Bush from Armored Saints sitting here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You are on the road to rock. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Martin, the lead singer for the band Mr. Big, and you are on the road to rock with Clint Schweitzer. Thank you so much, man. I, I love talking about the things that I love, Clint, and for you to allow me to do it with you. God bless you. God bless the heartland. God bless America. You are now on the road to rock. It's not just a podcast. It's an unabashed celebration of rock's living legends. And now, please welcome your host, the master of your rock and roll road trip, Clint Schweitzer. It's a true honor here on the road to rock to welcome iconic blues guitarist, Jim Suler. Jim, how you doing, sir? All the way joining us from Texas a state that's near and dear to my heart. I'll be heading down in a couple weeks to cover the Missouri Tigers and the Cotton Bowl. Are you a sports fan at all? Do you do you cheer for the Cowboys or anything like oh, that? Oh, yeah. I cheer for the, <clears throat> any team from DFW, I cheer for the Cowboys, the Stars, the, uh, the Dallas Mavericks, and uh, world champion Texas Rangers. In fact, I live about four miles from the Cotton Bowl. I drive by it almost every day. That uh, so yeah, they used to play in the old Cotton Bowl. They're now that they play it at the AT and T Stadium, there. So yes, but I've been to that. The old Cotton Bowl is is iconic. In fact, one of the best times of my life, honestly, Jim, was at the Texas State Fair. I think in two thousand eight, there was nothing like the Texas State Fair. Like we have a state fair here in Missouri. It's pretty cool. The Texas State Fair is a sight to behold. It, it's pretty big. It's very expensive. <laughs> Just you know. Every- they say everything is bigger in Texas and it, it's really a good, I've been to many, many state fairs and this is a really excellent state fair. There's only a, and that's not just my regional pride, but it, it's, it's done really well and it's, you know, it, it's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, so the cotton bowl game is, is the stadiums on the fairgrounds. Yep. And yeah, I've, I've actually attended a, 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 uh, New Year's Day Cotton Bowl clash there between Texas and Alabama in 1970, and also saw the Cowboys play the Packers in the Cotton Bowl like that same year on Thanksgiving. It was I think so. Bart Starr was the quarterback. Wow. You know, Lombardi had just left. Landry was still there, obviously. But yeah, I, my dad was born in Dallas in 1921, so. Um, I, I I was always in Dallas proper, so I'm a Dallas born and bred. And I hate to sound like a simpleton, but you guys also have In-N-Out Burger there, and I'm a huge fan. So I know for a lot of people, that's like they don't, but when you don't get it all it's, the time. It, well, that's a <laughs> California. We do have some In-N-Out restaurants here, but this is mainly known as a Whataburger state. It is. Which we but, have yeah. a lot of those now, thanks to Patrick Mahomes. He's a huge fan, and he brought it up here. So, <laughs> right. So, um, so yeah, it, it's a it's it was a good place to grow up. Uh, yes, um, that Dallas Metroplex also a wonderful place for uh, high school football talent. A lot of recruiting down there. But Jim, I mean, just talk to us about this Texas Scratch album. It's been out a few months now. Correct, came out during the summertime. Officially. Yes. Yes. Now, now that you've had a chance to, to marinate, it's been out, reviewed, you know, gone over with a fine tooth comb, picked at. What do you, how do you feel like now 
a few months later now that the, it's kind of marinated a little bit and you've seen the reviews and the reception's kind of been out there. How, how are you feeling now that it's been out there in the ether now for a few months? <laughs> I'm still in somewhat of a state of disbelief. This album was recorded in 2009, actually. And it through due to, you know, typical record company business and or lack of business <laughs> or you know deviations or whatever uh, twists and turns it sat on release for 14 years so um it's had plenty of time to marinate yeah I, I feel good about the record still it's it it doesn't feel dated to me you know because there has been some time that went by i really can't tell you why that happened uh because i just don't i don't know but there just uh, there was a, a home for it at one time, you know, when it was made, and then it, you know something changed, and the rest it was just shopped and it sat there, and so it finally came out. We're excited about it, and we're looking forward to uh, doing some dates to promote it. That's awesome. Definitely an album and songs that need to be unveiled in a live setting, and just kind of talk about kind of the working relationship here. Of course, you've got yourself. Uh, Buddy Whittington from from Fort Worth. Uh, Buddy Whittington's an icon in, in and of himself. But just kind of like the other artists that came in and, and were a part of this. You talked about starting it in 2009. So I think you probably had a lot of input from other artists and kind of how this whole thing came together over throughout this period of time. Like what was the dynamic like with the writing and the recording and all that? Well, everybody came to the project with, completed songs or nearly completed songs. Uh, there wasn't like traditional pre-production. Um, we just convened in the studio and knocked everything out in about five days. You know, everybody had was seasoned and had, knew how to work and work quickly and work, you know, work well. And so there was no issues as far as that goes. Everything really kind of fell together nicely. Um, there may have been some input on arrangements and stuff from the other musicians or the producer, but sure. uh, we all came in with our, our own stuff completed and just, and you know, work the arrangements out in the studio. You know, what I love about it is that, and what I appreciate about blues music and that your guitar work that's iconic <laughs> and legendary in many ways is that this music and for you guys, even the song titles kind of puts you in a mood and in a time and in a place and sort of a snapshot of exactly what this music is. What the devil loves, Trip Hammer, Louisiana Cockfight. Jim, these songs, before you even hear them, put you in sort of a, a mode. I'm assuming that was sort of by design. Well, it's, it's, I think that's just the end effect and, we, you know, we're just doing what we do and, you know, the songs we, it, it, to me, the, the definitive song for the project is Buddy Whittington's Texas Trios. That's sort of the mission statement of sorts. You know, it's just name checks all the great Texas musical trios, such as Buddy Holly and the Cricket, ZZ Top, um, Johnny Winter's first band with Uncle John Turner and Tommy Shannon and, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble, you know, before they added the keyboards with Reese Winans. 
So, um, it, yeah, it's just a reflection of the stuff we grew up listening to and we're immersed in. Well, you know, I, I just love the fiery, passionate guitar licks soaked in the blues and kicked in the ass by the blues rock that you guys love to play. That's what you were just kind of alluding to. So you've shared the stage with so many uh, iconic musicians. Um, but as I understand that you never got to play with SRV, with Stevie Ray Vaughan, correct? That's correct. I've met him a couple of times and spoke to him briefly on a couple of occasions, but we, you know, we didn't play together. I was, uh, gee, I was about 29 when he died. Yeah. I mean, playing, but, you know, I was still trying to get up to the next level, you know, but, don't, you know, but I, I was still trying to get my, my scene together. Certainly. Um, you know, when you're, there is something about Texas and, and probably, you know, kind of that Eastern Louisiana, the Southern, te the, the Texas vibe. When you go to play in a lot of these venues, um, I think there's one in Dallas called Gas Monkey. Is that, is that a venue in Texas down in Dallas? Gas Monkey Live? Gas Monkey is closed. Oh yeah. my God. Wow. Well, that hurts. Uh <laughs> There's a lot of clubs closing, you know, not just around here, but I think everywhere, but that's, you know, another topic, but gas monkeys. No, let me, I don't want to interrupt your right. question. No, I appreciate the, the information there because that's a, you know, just that kind of a venue and some of the places that just go hand in hand with this style of music that you've played throughout your whole life. Do you have kind of a favorite or favorite venues around Texas or in Louisiana that just sort of encompass this music for you or that you kind of cut your teeth in? Uh, I mean, like as far as blues, I mean, Gas Monkey was kind of just a corporate gig, you know, it was a, a you know, big brand with the TV stuff. And, um, but actually I never even played at the Gas Monkey wow. before, but I, you know, when I was getting into blues, like I was already playing in rock clubs and I, you know, decided I wanted to play blues. So I was like playing at places like the Bluebird in Fort Worth. That was a, you know, real Blue, real blues joint you know people got shot and stabbed and beat <laughs> up it was rough it had a wow. screen you know it, it but it was it was a place where everybody i mean you know uh it was in a kind of in a low-income black neighborhood called como and like the residents of that neighborhood would be there as well as there'd be cowboys and hippies punk rockers, college kids, frat boys, every stripe you would see in that place. And it was a real deal. It was funky and cool. And that, you know, I, I learned a lot in there from guys like Robert Ely and UP Wilson. Uh, but it was a real deal juke joint. And I'd played in some rough places. And I don't want to overstate that it was super bad. I never like had a problem. Well, nothing that I didn't handle, but it, I never felt like in danger in there or anything, but uh, those places were the you know real deal more than these places that have come after the fact. You know, the, the further we get removed from from the old stuff, you know, it's it's beautiful where we're going, but it's sad what you know what we've lost and all that great stuff that we grew up listening to and those scenes we were involved in. Well, I'll tell you what, Jim, we've had uh, George Thorogood on this show before, and I have to be honest, 
talk about George, just the working relationship, because he's somebody, it was one of those interviews that popped up at the last minute, didn't have a lot of time to prep. And he held my feet to the fire, man. He's no joke. Like he comes in here and it's no frills. And he's like, Hey, weren't you going to ask me about this? What did you think of that out? You know, and he, he, I mean, he was the real deal. I have to respect that man. And uh, of course the songs are in the American lexicon, still a strong touring entity. Just talk about your kind of relationship with George and kind of what it was like uh, meeting him for the first time and then joining the band back in 1999. Well, I met him in 1990 <clears throat> in Memphis. Uh, I was playing with the band I was in at the time at Huey's Midtown on uh, Madison. And they were recording down the street at Ardent Studios. So they came in at the end of their recording session for beer and food and, you know, smoking cigars and that back when you could smoke in bars. <laughs> so I was playing. I didn't know they were there. We played a set. I did one of their numbers. I didn't even know they were there. Um, I wouldn't have done it if I'd have known. And then somebody said, hey, they're, you know, they're good and their bands here. So I went back and introduced myself and they were real nice. And we got up to play the second set and George just kept moving closer and closer and closer to the stage. And he was watching, he was really intently watching and getting into it. And, you know, I, I hadn't never had anybody at that point, uh, pay me much attention. And so anybody that was, uh, had any kind of name, in other words, sure. Oh, uh, so I was feeling good about the way I was playing. You know, I was, you know, you have those nights where you feel good. And so I was having one of those nights and it just emboldened me. So, yeah, we finished the set and he, you know, he was bringing up, you know, small things I did in the show that told me he was really paying attention. And he said, man, my producer, Terry Manning, would love you guys. You remind you guys remind me of the Destroyers when we started. Wow. So, yeah, and long story short, yeah, I ended up signing and recording with Terry's label and uh, being managed by George's manager and, you know, doing tours with him. And, you know, it really got my career going as a solo artist. <clears throat> this is back in the early 90s. And then by the like late 98, they called and asked if I would join as second guitarist. And so the first show was... I think in March of 1999. Yeah. 20 and here almost 25 years later to see where, where this has been and where it's gone. And just, you're so entrenched in that. And I've seen, there's a place here that you guys used to play called the Beaumont club. It's closed here in Kansas city too, but it was one of those places. And it was like this legendary like club blues club. And we, I've seen you perform there. So that's kind of another one that comes to mind, but for you, Jim, like how important is it, for you to be able to flex your creative muscle kind of outside of the destroyers, uh, whether it be with uh monkey beat or now this Texas scratch album to finally see that to the finish line. And how important is that to you to be able to, to create outside of the band? Well, I mean, it, it's important to me and I, I never stopped doing it when, right. and the destroyers uh, I'm just not touring as much since COVID hit, uh, outside of George because we, you know, everything sat, everybody was kind of sitting for nearly a year and a half. And once we got back to work, we were really touring hard trying to make up for that lost time. So I didn't have a lot of time. And when I did have time, I didn't have the energy to go. I just felt like I was spread too thin. Mm -hmm. So 
the COVID thing was good in the sense that it, it allowed me to sit longer than I'd ever sat in my adult life. It dormant. And I didn't know what to do. It felt really weird for a long time. And then I'm like, man, this is kind of cool. I like this. So I used it a chance to recharge and reevaluate and, and, and rest. And, so and that, to, yeah. <laughs> sure. And that, that it was that it's a weird time to look back on. I feel like it was a dream, very surreal and it affected so many musicians so differently. And I think finally it, it's good to see that we're kind of out on the other end of this. Um, I've got a little factor fiction for you, Jim. I understand, or I read, I've read, the rumor and innuendo is that Billy Gibbons officiated your wedding? Yes, that That's was true. in 2002. Wow. And he got ordained to do so for specifically for you, for this wedding. No, he no. was already ordained and okay. had he had married another couple who were people I worked with who these cr crew and management members of both the destroyers and ZZ top. And uh, so that's kind of how that, that came into play. Mm. But that, yeah, that's true. And he was, he took it very seriously. He was very gracious. And uh, this happened in Houston and, then like we, my wife and I went down to a uh, chemo, which is like a resort type area down on the Texas Gulf coast. And he went with us. I mean, I mean, he had his own room, but he was super gracious to us and cool. And uh, like, you know, sent us flowers and chocolates and took us out and you haven't lived till you've gone out on the town with Billy Gibbons. So we, we um, especially in Texas, uh, nothing but love and respect for, for Billy. That's tremendous. And there is something about Texas musicians and the, especially this genre. It seems also very linked to what you just talked about, how you had these different, these two camps, this, the destroyers, ZZ top, these, and there's so, uh, God, Lance Lopez is a good friend of ours. It's been on a lot of times this Texas blues. It's, it's a camaraderie is it's almost kind of like a fraternity for you guys. Oh, you know, it's just, yeah, th there's a certain thread that runs through it all. I mean, there, there's a kind of a swagger, and uh, it's it, it's it, it's really hard to define it. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's like Memphis music. I think Texas is like Memphis. It's a place where all these things kind of converge, these cultures. So uh, that's, I always had an affinity for Memphis in many ways. Uh, musically culturally and that sort of thing but yeah i think it's it's but it's like that extends beyond texas it's just a musical brotherhood and but i think specifically in this area there's a uh, everybody kind of understands everybody else well jim as you're looking you talked about maybe doing some shows for texas scratch how would that kind of come about what's in a dream world would this be something that you try to pursue in 2024 or how's the touring schedule looking for the destroyers? Is that something you're going to kind of trying to work on right now? Well, I'm trying to, yeah, see how that all lands. And then I'm going to work around that. But I'm waiting on some, some uh, more information before I can proceed. But yeah, that's, that's, that's the hope is, uh, and the aim is for us to do some more dates and uh, buddy and I have done a date here in Texas. We have some more booked. 
but again, it's geographically we're all spread out. Vince is the third guitar player. He's, excuse me, he's living in Denver, and Jeff Simon, the drummer, is in the Philadelphia area. So, I mean, Buddy and I live like maybe 35 miles apart, so it's a lot easier for us <laughs> just to do it. But the hope is to do some out-of-town dates and some festival dates next year. That'd be tremendous. And, you know, here in the Midwest, we got a place here called Knuckleheads in downtown Kansas City. It's just uh, like perfect for a Texas Scratch show. Yeah, I, I've worked at Knuckleheads many times with my band Monkey Beat. And yep. uh, I love Frank over there. And the, like the staff is great. Everything about Knuckleheads is, is A-OK -okay with me. And they're really good people. And they run a first-rate operation. Lots of love for them. But wow. I, I've Kansas City to play since the mid '80s. I used to play at the Grand Emporium all the time. I used to play at Night Moves, which was out off Vivian Road. I live right by there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and um, and we've done. I think the Uptown Theater. Yeah. Oh yeah, you guys have done Uptown with George Thorogood, Beaumont Club when it was open. And there was another place uh, we played outdoors, and it was kind of had like a sandy gravelly surface out it's like it was in a courtyard behind a building or something if oh, i said uh, them, yeah crossroads probably yeah yeah played there yep. so yeah I, i've always had great times in kansas city i i really like it i'm not just saying that i mean i love the barbecue and just people are real unpretentious and they they love they love good music they you guys produce a lot of good musicians like uh Danielle, Nicole, and, you know, Trampled Underfoot, and Samantha Fish. And oh. I, I, lots of friends in Kansas City and lots of love for it. Well, we got to get you back here. This Texas Scratch, it's these songs, and it's so good, and it's so well-written, it's so well-performed that it's it's like you just visualize this in a in a live setting. And so we, we definitely want to see more of that. So where where right now, as we are here uh, into December, is the best place – to send our listeners to, to pick the album up is it available just on Spotify, Apple, and that's the best way. Is there an, a, maybe a physical copy available at all? Or yeah, I would direct if they wanted, you know, the usual streaming platforms, people know those and um, sure. you can buy the album on Amazon or you I'm sure you can go to Corto Valley records. They have a website um, and that's, Q-U-A-R-T-O Valley, Quarto Valley, and, and purchase it there. Uh, and we have a Facebook page under the name Texas Scratch. We don't have a website right now, but uh, there's information on the band on my website, which is jimsuler.com. Jim, it's a true honor. Can't thank you enough for spending some time with us to talk about this tremendous album. And I'm so proud of you to be able to have gotten this out and uh, the things that you do both in and outside of George Thorogood and the Destroyers, always top notch. It was great to talk to you and uh, maybe I'll see you down in uh, down when I'm at the cotton bowl in a couple weeks, my friend, I'll be around. Okay. And thanks. And go eat an all good cafe in deep Elm. I got well, it. I'm writing that down. I'm a, I got it. I'm going. Tell, and tell them I sent you. They'll pro probably knock 50% off. I, hey, I eat, I'm definitely I going now. <laughs> I've been eating there for forever. I ate there today. I'll eat there tomorrow, probably. That but is awesome. Fun. Thanks, Clint. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate you.